0: Hello everybody, welcome to the uh, Robotics Humble Podcast, hosted by Science Robotics. My name is Magnet and I'll be your host today. Uh, today with me, I have Julie and Nihir who are from mechanical and programming sub-teams respectively. And today's episode is all about the mini-bot. What is a mini-bot? You'll hear a lot more as we talk about it today. Uh, you'll ha- get a lot of answers, uh, a lot of your questions answered uh so no no need to worry uh i'll let you guys introduce yourself. so you know julie if you want to go ahead and just talk about you know what you do on the team what are your interests and all that go ahead.
1: uh hello my name is julie i'm a part of the mechanical team i've worked on the soul cirque or one of the uh, one of them the curriculum for the mechanical engineering part and i also spend a lot of time watching pro league of legends and listening to all kinds of music. you
2: here Hello, my name is Vihir. I'm on the programming team. I've also worked on the Soul and Sir programs here at, like, <laughs> and I also love listening to music and probably, like, watching TV shows is probably another hobby of mine.
0: Good, good uh, interest. Uh, I guess I'm just going to start off with a random question because I was, like, when Nikhil did it in previous episodes, so... I guess I want to ask both of you guys. What's your if you had to choose three songs, if you're stuck on an island, what three, what would the three songs be?
1: Um, I guess I'll start off. There's one song that my favorite uh, Dead by Daylight YouTuber plays at his outro every time. It's called "22" by Abstract featuring Delaney, and it's it's got really nice beats. And then there's also "Figured You Out" by Voila. It's got also really nice beats, but it's also got um. Pretty hard-hitting lyrics, and after that, it would probably be just a random K-pop song. <laughs>
2: okay. Here for me, if I were stuck on an island, I would probably listen to maybe All Night by Icon- Icona Pop. That'd be a pretty good island song. Mm-hmm. What else would I want to have? I would probably have. God, I'm blanking on the songs I know. There's one that my friend recently introduced to me called Majestic Flight uh, by Fro's studio Chamber Sonic. That'd probably be a good island song in the part of your world, because that sounds really good.
0: (laughs) Nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I was thinking of songs that I would take an island with me. I don't have any off the top of my head, Uh, but thankfully, since I'm the host, I don't have to answer it. But You know, I'm mostly into, you know, things like uh, like 1990s, like uh, rock pop, or, you know, just t- 2000s rap, things like that. But yeah, I guess we'll start talking about kind of what the, our, our main segment is about. It's about the mini bot. So um, just a kind of bit of context for, you know, all the, all the listeners, the mini bot is basically this off-season project that our programming, mechanical CAD teams have all kind of been working on. And it's, it, it's like a it's basically, you know, what the name implies, it's a smaller robot uh, largely allowed to give our um, team experience, you know, with working with robots and uh, building, as well as giving us something to use to learn how to uh, for, uh, how to use um, the swerve drive, in um, you know, system. So I guess the first question I'll kind of go with is, you know, what was the original idea or motive behind building the mini bot? I know I kind of covered it a little bit, but are there any specifics that, you know, why, we decided to build a mini bot specifically rather than, you know, doing other you know, smaller tutorials.
1: Um, specifically for the mechanical team, I know because there's COVID, the exactly um, the interest and the allure of the mechanical team for the more newer members is pretty much gone because most people don't hear, oh, we're going to CAD and think that's awesome. So mm. what the mini bot's supposed to be doing is allowing for the, the kind of inter in between year that COVID's created for more newer members to not only understand like the building process, but also kind of keep everyone else, quote unquote, in shape when it comes to the knowledge.
2: Yeah. And so for the programming part, I know that we're doing the We like hope to use a mini bot to practice programming in general, mm-hmm. especially in years. We have issues with getting the bot ready for programming to finish because we still need to build a competition bot so we're hoping to use the mini bot as like a practice bot while we're getting the actual competition bots ready okay so
0: i guess obviously my first question is i mean it's mechanical you know obviously there is a difference between building a a a full-size robot versus a mini bot but how are you guys kind of planning to you know how are you keeping people like freshmen and new members interested especially when they can't handle the parts that you know have that tangible feel of things
1: I think um, the satisfaction of completing a catting project at first is pretty much non-existent. But after you've gone through the entire CAD course and then you've Mm -hmm. built, sorry, catted a robot, you feel another, like, quote-unquote level of satisfaction or a whole new feel like, oh, I've actually done something. Yeah, I haven't held something, but I've spent hours staring at a screen, clicking my mouse, and constantly pressing Control z
0: Interesting. So are you, have you guys... What's kind of been your approach to uh, teaching a lot of these new members CAD? Because I know most middle schoolers don't really know, learn about CAD, right? So, you know, how are you guys approaching that, um, especially
1: online? So there's a CADing course provided by Onshape after they finish that, which basically covers like the basics of how to CAD and then how to organize your files, etc. Our CAD lead would essentially give us projects he had these videos that he found from other FRC teams, which had them essentially catting out a robot, and then he'd have us cat along with it. First, we started with a West Coast drivetrain, then we moved on to a different intake from a team, and then he made us do like basically 2D sketching of how to pre-design a robot.
2: Hmm,
0: interesting. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard a lot about these drivetrains, and I think that's one of the questions I'll ask a little later is you know, about Swerve and all that, but. That's really cool. I, I do remember Onshape. I I remember when Nikhil was on uh, on the show. I want to say three or four episodes back, they were ranting about Onshape versus all the other programs, and like they have an opinion. I don't know personally. I don't care, but apparently Onshape is just the way to go. Yeah,
1: I think like Onshape being online is easier, and then compared to Fusion Three Hundred and Sixty, which is pretty much the only other one I've had extensive experience mm-hmm. with, it's much easier. And then you have like SolidWorks, which is basically the equivalent of God tier use, but it's really hard to get into. So I think on is pretty good.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that's reasonable. So yeah, kind of shifting over to the programming side. I know that last year I was in programming. I, one of the things that we really wanted to do was, you know, how do we allow programmers to take their work and apply it to a more physical object? So I was wondering that, you know, there is a mini bot, but... Um, are you guys planning to code the mini bot like specifically is that how do I say this is your final goal to code the mini bot or are you guys also looking into other things like you know um, simulation programs I know that was one of the considerations last year right in order to get more people kind of uh, be able to like actually run their code right what's kind of like the approach on that
2: yeah, so we're mainly working on the mini bot, especially because we have so many new members this year, which is really wonderful. But like one of the problems with like so many new members is that we don't, don't have as much experience with FRC Cooney, and it's a little bit different from like technical experience. So we're focusing on the mini bot, but we do have a couple of other teams working on stuff like Vision, which we're going to be needing. And then also, uh, yeah, so the simulation as well. Right. And so I've, I've heard you guys who
0: are also, um, I don't know, I mean, the programming lead, he was looking into using Raspberry Pi's for vision. Is that something we're going to, you know, looking at implementing on the Minibot or is it something it's more like a future for a full-size robot plan?
2: Yeah. So I believe that Raspberry Pis are for like a future more or a thing. We don't have any plans with integrating it into the Minibot code right now. We have like separate code running for that, but we're we are exploring that option.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and I, I guess a similar question. Um, has it been harder to, you know, kind of convince freshmen and new members just kind of stay interested when there isn't a physical robot, or does the allure of programming itself just make it worth it to stay on the sub team?
2: I think that, that there's a little bit of both. I feel like there's a little bit of, there isn't as much physical experience with not just with the robot, but with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's been really hard with that, like getting the new members like involved with like the team and the dynamic. But then once we do, there is this like, oh, I'm programming something that will be used at some point.
0: Right. right. That, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And, you know, that's just another question for programming before I move on to the next question is, I know for Mechanical, I, could, I can imagine you would CAD, you know, you have each person kind of CAD a different part. You could possibly give freshmen some of the simpler parts, things like that. But for programming, how are you guys, you know, splitting up the work, but also making sure the freshmen don't feel, you know, left behind or burdened down with a lot of work, right? So I know that online if it's hard to mentor because you can't take, you know, a student aside and just talk to them.
2: So how are you guys kind
0: of do that?
2: Yeah. So what we're doing is we're splitting up our sub-team into multiple different segments with one experienced person from last year and the rest of the members are new members, so that the experienced member is there to help guide the people, guide the new members, but the new members are mainly the ones who are working on the code and leading everyone in uh, like a team that will create their own version of the mini bot code.
0: Gotcha, okay. Yeah, that's that's yeah really cool. And I, I guess kind of shift from that. Um, when my next question was, is there any kind of new or innovative or risk-taking design elements that are being implemented on the mini bot that maybe we'll see in future years, or are we? Is it more of a back to basics, very simple approach? And it's really crazy. One of you guys to answer.
1: Um, from the mechanical side, I feel that the mini bot actually is a return to what we technically should be doing during the regular season, since um. I didn't personally get to work on the CAD for our last year's bot, but I did see the files and the bot technically wasn't complete when it came to the CAD. Meanwhile, the mini bot is pretty much fully catted out. We can import a few swerves that are pre-catted if um, we wanted to like flush out the very details, which kind of shows that, hey, if you CAD everything out, it becomes a whole lot more simple. And I think it's a kind of uh, clap back to reality that we need to CAD everything out to make sure that we don't have to do trial and error.
0: So it's just been a, I mean, I haven't, I've only been the, on um, the, the year, you know, this is, sorry, on the team, this is my second year here. Um, do you think this is kind of, not a culture, but, you know, um, there isn't a, you know, the, 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 idea of fully catting everything out. Do you feel like people usually try to cat until you get it and then start building? Is that an issue that's kind of come up every year or do you think that's something that's just, you know, specifically for last year?
1: I think it, last year, like the, I've seen two of the year's robots and I think the Mm -hmm. first year's robot kind of shows that there might've been, it might've been fully cutted out. I don't know, but it felt like there were a few design aspects that would have been seen in CAD that was not seen. Um, so I feel like these bots weren't fully cutted out. It's much less of like a culture of laziness, but it's much more of like a culture of, we're pretty much like family in the mechanical section. So Mm -hmm. pointing out, um, Faults or errors kind of becomes hard. Gotcha.
0: And well, what was the first show? Is that uh, Opportunity?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, you know, seen uh, some of the issues with Opportunity. Um, I believe it wears a dunce cap now in the corner of our, uh, <laughs> corner of Ivan House. Uh, you know, that's as, as much as you need to know, but um, I guess... Kind of just connecting to it. So, do you guys think that making a mini bot would be something that we kind of implement every year? Or, you know, how do we how do we be looking at the mini bot? Is it just like a quarantine project? Or is it something that could actually, you know, help um, incoming students every year?
1: Um, on the mechanical side, I don't think cutting a mini bot every year would be the most interesting or the most helpful, given that mm-hmm. Ivan Home only has so much space. We're not going to build a mini bot every year. And then, like, mm-hmm. It's going to end up being the same. What I do feel like though is it's a good project for students to have in the future. It's like mm-hmm. if you want to learn how to CAD, first we'll teach you how to go through the on-chip course, then you'll CAD the West Coast Drive, then you'll CAD the intake, and then you'll CAD a mini-bot. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And on the programming side, I definitely agree with Julie where we uh, aren't necessarily going to be coding a new mini-bot every year. I feel like we're going to be using the mini bot code and then like guiding the freshmen through like making that. And then also like expanding on the mini bot a little bit every year to like create a more complicated, uh, code where we can code, like do things a lot more efficiently.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I guess same question also applies to the programming side. Um, are there any specific risks that you guys have been taking, this, uh, for the mini bot or is it just, uh, a very simple, you know, toned down approach to programming
2: it. Yes. So right now we're doing a very simple toned down version, Mm -hmm. but we're encouraged to explore new opportunities that we might have not included in last year's code or in previous year's code, if it foresees, or like if we see like an opportunity to code that, but right now we're just trying to code a basic mini bot code so that everyone has a baseline understanding of the code.
0: Right. And so I remember last year we used like uh, commands and subsystems, right, uh, to kind of interact between the motors and just the different elements. So uh, is that changing this year or is it you know staying the same? And then if it's changing, are you guys using the, the mini bot kind of as an opportunity to uh, let everyone kind of learn it? Because I know even experienced people might have to kind of change the way they think.
2: Yeah, so we're still using the same subsystem command uh, command system as last year Mm -hmm. uh, with WPI. But I feel like we're incorporating it a lot differently because last year's code, there was a lot of things that were interacting where they shouldn't have. And now that we're starting from scratch and we have the time to do that, we're able to make those changes, decide what should actually be interacting with what and what should have power to... Call certain functions.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I do remember, like, um, you know, issues with abstractions and all that was definitely some one of the issues we had last year. And then when you started going into those really complex, uh, you know, multi-tiered applications, that it becomes quite a hassle to end up, you know, actually being able to fix it. Um, so I guess um, just kind of, uh, you know, shifting away from that. Uh, how is, you know, obviously you guys are both kind of more experienced members on the team. Uh, I believe you have you guys both been here for two years now yeah yeah okay two years so um how does has i mean i guess this is this is not a very difficult question to answer i mean it's pretty obvious but um how has being a leader you know now that you're a little bit more experienced been different from you know your first your first year your freshman year experience um especially now you're a leader online that has its own issues right and i i've seen it myself as well so you know maybe you want to reflect on that experience
1: um online i feel like it's removed a lot of the uh, community aspect that we used to have because i do know for a fact that we used to banter a lot and then there was a kind of vibe to it where people would just like hey we have to work on the bot now and we can't focus as well now that everything's online i feel that People can find their focus easier, especially since it's like, yo, you have to get this amount of work done by this time, and then everyone goes ahead and does that. But in the same right, even though we're more effective now, um, we've lost the community feel uh, Feel that I'm pretty sure um, Stray talked about that they tried to nurture in the 2018 year. So there's a trade-off.
0: Right, let yeah, me hear if you want to, you know, also comment on an experience you have had.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. We've lost a lot of the community aspect, and not just within our specific sub teams, but our general team as well. Like we used to have potlucks every Friday, where we we would just take a break from working on the robot and working on productive stuff, and then just com- just bond as a community with our mentors and within ourselves as well. And we've lost a lot of that, but we are we've become a lot more productive. I feel like also because The shift from becoming a leader to uh, like from student to a leader has been really different because you learn a lot more that like you realize that you don't know as much as you thought you did. Like with as a student, you're still learning stuff and then you're still interacting with your leads. Mm -hmm. But with becoming a leader, there's a lot more stuff that you have to do independently. And you realize that maybe you don't know this as much as Yeah, you thought you
1: did,
0: right? Yeah, and I guess one of the experience. I'm I'm obviously one of the um, leads for our imagery team. One of the issues I've had is just, you know, every every week you it's hard to find kind of, it's just really fatiguing, you know, to go in and try to lead a team. And I know that sometimes participation can be an issue. So uh, this is less about the mini bot, really. But how have you guys been? promoting participation online i've had an issue with that for sure and i'm always looking for new ideas and new ways to keep people interested
1: i wouldn't necessarily say i would was the leader of the mini bot building that was definitely garthik's role um CAD lead but i do notice like i did notice that there was um a lot of communication going on in like dms or um discord servers which we basically spamping each other until we did the work. <laughs> like, Because it's all online, you can't go yell at someone or tell them kindly face to face or bribe them with like candy. You now just have to be persistent online in um, trying to get people to work. I like, it seems really bad, but because we're all kind of like bros, <laughs> so to speak, um, spamping each other is kind of the norm. Sometimes I'll do it over games. But now that it's been allowed to be focused more on productive materials, I think the bond that we've created is really helpful.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, oh yeah, so with like my group, with my like mini about, one of the things that I like to do is call on people and ask what they think that we should code, what feature we should implement because I feel like that really, like, helps people, like, get more comfortable with being on the spot with, like, coding. And even if they get a wrong answer, it's completely fine because everyone's still learning.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, you talk about um, what, what games do you guys used to play? Like, do you guys kind of play it as a sub-team or was it just, um, oh, you don't want, like, in the preseason and kind of, you know, playing games, stuff like that? Yeah, I, I just remember... Um, decided just, uh, just one of the random days in imagery we just decided for whatever reason to play CS:GO. uh our other programming our other imagery lead won a heck of a CS:GO player so we actually did two and one i don't know why i brought it out but it was just really interesting uh to talk about uh yeah it's kind of stemming back from what i was talking about earlier you know um you mentioned that you guys um when you were learning you went through kind of different uh, different drive trains right and eventually uh, obviously, our team now uses Swerve, so do um, you want to kind of talk about why we've ended up using Swerve on the mini bot, even though it's kind of an off-season project, and um, kind of what are the advantages of using Swerve on something this small? And is, is it for driving practice? Is it just for, you know, just for the building practice, things like that?
1: Um, having been on the drive team, I think it's really important for drive practice, especially since it seems really hard to use Swerve when it comes to driving. And I, when trying out, it I kind of failed. So the fact that Delaney can operate it so well is really um, awesome. Also, when it comes to Swerve specifically for the minibot and mechanical, I think it's good that we have more practice with Swerve drives because undoubtedly they're easier to build than West Coast drives and then they're also easier to CAD. But in the same right, the more familiar we are with this kind of um Drive the faster we'll be able to swap it on and off. And last year, or like the year before, when we were um, on the field, it pretty much only two members were able to easily swap it on and off, like fluently or as if they were experienced. Now that I think more members are familiar with how it looks on CAD, it should become much faster once we go back in person.
2: So yeah, yeah, definitely. Go good. Oh, good. Yeah, so definitely also with like the programming side of things it's really important because the way that swerve works is really different from every other drive like each drive has a very different way of working and because like swerve changes this we can turn 360 degrees while mechanism drives can only go diagonal omni wheels can only go right and left forward and backwards and then take drives can only go forward and backwards so each drive has a very different implementation so Oh, like being able to code using Swerve allows the new members to gain the experience that they will need to be able to create working code in the future. Right.
0: And so I know that um, Jack and the bot, you know, team 2910, uh, they've had a lot of experience with Swerve and they're kind of known to be some of the best um, in this area with Swerve. Uh, Are there any lessons you guys have kind of learned from them through the years? You know, how to optimize it? I know that their autonomous um subs or say their autonomous system is just you know mesmerizing sometimes during competitions they they just get, nail the accuracy so yeah i was wondering is, are there any lessons you've learned from them or are you trying to get to their level in a sense
1: i don't think i've interacted with any of the jack and the Bot people but i do know for a fact that um one of their either build leads or programming leads was the one who was driving the bot And I think we can what we can learn from that is that the more experience you have with the bot, whether it be through coding, programming, catting it, the more ready you'll be for the build season, the more ready you'll be for the future. And especially with something as what seems as complex or as simple as Swerve, um, we really need to as a team to become more used to it. And thus, this online learning that we've gone through is actually pretty helpful.
0: Yeah, is, is there anything yeah. programming has done you know learned from? I know I remember last year uh, during you know the only competition we really had, we actually asked were i oh, sorry, Jack about um, you know, some of the settings that they use in their programming and their programming, um, like all the constants and things like that. So I was wondering, you know, is there anything we've learned from them on the programming side?
2: Yeah, so Sally, I haven't interacted much with Jack and Bob either, mm-hmm. I've interacted a little bit but it was mainly our programming lead from last year communicating with their lead. And we've learned a lot about how to incorporate Swerve and in some different ways we can use Swerve. And so like, I feel like we're trying to get on their level, but we're also trying to communicate with them to you know, like, be a lot more like open with them about like how they incorporate stuff and everything to, so that we can gain the experience as well.
0: So, yeah, I guess just kind of stemming off that again, um, Swerve drivetrain. you guys think it's kind of the the new thing, um, you know, in FRC, is that something you guys imagine most teams shifting to in the future, or is it kind of a niche thing? I know that a lot of younger teams, I get, you know, have a difficulty with implementing, you know, uh, building with Swerve. And so, yeah, what do you guys think? Is it the next big thing in FRC?
1: I think in like video games, it's definitely the meta. But for the newer teams, they're of course um, they might not have as a, as much funding, or their mentors might not be as experienced. And so, while it is the meta for everyone else, and pretty, it seems like it's going to be implemented wide scale because we've seen it used in maps where um, it seemed like Swerve would not be the most optimal, but Swerve turned out to be the most optimal. We learned that. Swerve requires a lot of experience. The newer teams will have a harder time implementing it, but they will eventually get to implementing it. And um, once pretty much everyone adopts it, we'll all pretty much be on the same level for that. Interesting.
0: Yeah, and I know that WPI Lib has been, um, or if, if anybody doesn't know, you know, any of our listeners don't know what WPI Lib is, it's the standard library that um, FRC or first uh, provides. And so I know that they've implemented. Swerve, you know, parts of the swerve drive train and all that into the code. So, uh, what do you think that FRS or sorry, what first can still do to improve that, uh, you know, documentation-wise or implementation-wise? And how do you see, um, you know, other teams working with swerve um, drive code in the future?
2: Yeah. So, uh, right now, I feel like WPI is getting better. There's still some issues with, like some features might not be as optimal as you would uh, like them to be. And some features are a little bit harder to implement and they're confusing when you implement them. Uh, but as we go on into the years, I feel like WPI is starting to iron all of that out and more teams are starting to use for like, I agree with Julie, where there are advantages and disadvantages just for where like it's harder to implement, especially code-wise. But, like, once you have the experience, like, we're lucky to be a team that has Swerve experience and has, like, people who've gone through, like, building their own Swerve, like, system. Uh, So, like, once you do have, like, those members that have Swerve experience, then you can really start to grow and build onto that. Interesting.
0: So, yeah, are there any, I mean, beyond just the it, you know, the difficulty getting started, is there any... Can you imagine any future issues that teams might have with Swerve beyond just, you know, getting started with it? You know, are there issues with possibly speed or I know, you know, obviously it's very versatile, but are there any issues that you can imagine um, that Swerve has compared to other drive
1: trains? I think during the Stronghold Challenge, Swerve wouldn't have been the best. i definitely was not there. I didn't watch any of the competitions, but from like knowing the fact that the map is really bumpy and then there are some choppy parts that bots will have difficulty going over, um, uh, swerve drive would be really disadvantage- disadvantageous there simply because it's gonna have to go over a bunch of bump- bumps. Swerve drives break relatively easily compared to the other drivetrains. And that's where pro- we would probably see like an upset in what normally would be built. Because if we see um, FRC come out with more games that alter more towards the uh, terrain changes rather than the uh, scoring-based changes, then we're more likely to see a change in what the swerve drive is going to be. Also, because swerve drives are expensive and because teams are using really good motors for swerve drives, the fact that they can be broken so easily and are so expensive is one of the larger issues that I would say surrounding it um, on the mechanical side.
0: Yeah, is there anything, um, you know, similar in programming? I know that programming it's a little different, but um, what do you think?
2: Okay, so with programming, it is a little bit different because we don't necessarily worry about how breakable it is. But I foresee, a, like, with a lot of, like, train changes and stuff like that, the implementation of Swerve will definitely need to change a lot, mm-hmm. uh, especially because we use a PID controller, for detecting like where we want to go. And we don't necessarily always keep in mind any of the terrain changes that we might face, like any of the bumps and stuff like that. And that it's definitely something that we are going to have to pay a lot more attention to. And definitely with the, the implementation, which is going to be harder, like, how would we know when we're hitting a bump, when we're about to hit a bump and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I can, I can definitely imagine. Um... You know, I being on imagery, I don't really have to worry as much about those aspects of Swerve. I just I find it really fascinating, just seeing every year as Swerve gets. You know, it seems really innovating, finding new ways to implement it. I, I think it's really cool that you know you were taking something um, that somebody had just built and then just you know running away and finding new ideas to um, implement it. So um, I guess this, this is more of a yeah oh, okay. Uh, I think that. This is a different kind of question, but what's something that you guys were looking forward to this season that can't happen? Like, where is there any specific, like, ideas or plans you guys had for the robot that, you know, won't, just you know, won't happen or is there anything like that?
1: I feel like this year's robot, now that we've kind of fully moved away from wood, is was one of the strongest robots that um, this team has produced. And so because it was so strong and we weren't able to really play it through its full potential or polish out the little bumps within the bot, we're missing out on a lot of the potential that the bot held. And then there's also the community factor because I really do miss meeting in person and all the fun and learning that came from that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I I also... I'll miss like the community factor but i also miss the competitions because they're really fun like you get a more sense of like not just the community within our team but generally the first community uh and how everyone like really supports each other and how everyone's trying to grow from each other and learn from each other i really was looking forward to like experiencing more of that but we can't sadly because of coronavirus
0: right and so just touching on wood i know that personally i've I've always loved how we've used wood in the past. I just think it kind of helps us always stand out. Um, What do you think the role of wood is going to be in the future of our team? I know that's a little hard to say right now. Uh, Last year, we used just wood paneling. This is a reminder, but do you think we'll completely go away from it? Or do you think that it will somehow still play a part in our identity as a team?
1: I'm pretty sure we'll keep Um, the decorative parts because definitely the names of the bots have always been linked to some form of wood Um, I don't think on a practical level we'll implement wood um, because it's much easier to be destroyed more and more teams are moving to metal or starting off with metal making it much harder to try and bring back wood but I see absolutely no reason why we should remove the paneling or remove the um, artistic element that wood has brought to the bot
0: Right. Yeah, that's I, I. That's really the unfortunate reality, I guess. I've seen that you know a lot of our old robots, you know, they were made of wood. They had a hard, you know, a hard time going through the end of the season. Actually, you know, staying completely together. And so, um, dang. I actually, I. I had a question in mind. I completely forgot about it. Um, sorry about that. Right. It was actually um. What What's an element of the game that you guys are looking forward to seeing next year? Is there any kind of you know, I know everyone loves the idea of water game, but are there any other elements that you would love to see in next year's map? Uh, I know it's a bit different the mini bot that we originally talked about, but I think it's a cool question to ask.
1: Um, I really think that the scoring is going to be a big part because uh, we did shooting for pretty much two years, and then. I've seen the block stacking, which I wouldn't say is as fun as the shooting factor. So I hope that shooting stays fun. And then there's also the fact that um, we have a really good defensive driver on our team. So if we could have a game that could implement defense, where I could just sit back and not do anything and Delaney can (laughs) hard carry us. um, I think, I mean, besides the fact that she's really strong, I feel like the defensive element of a game is always fun to watch out for because there's always a streamlined vision of the game that first has or a streamlined vision that some high-scoring teams may have. And I feel the opportunity of um, teams that just have their swerve drive or just have their um, drivetrain can basically um, have their own importance on the field when it comes to defense.
2: Yeah, definitely. I also feel like what would be cool is if there were, like, different scoring elements throughout, uh, not just shooting, but, like, different challenges as well. They're, like, as fun as shooting. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but, like, something that, like, is a little bit different, but incorporates the same, like, fun ability.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I remember defense, I found that really just fascinating because uh, last year's game, they had just a lot of rules around defense, and... You know, last year was the first year I've been on FRC. So I can imagine previous years, defense has just been up. it's been a more of a, a last resort than an actual game plan. Made. So um, do you have any ideas of how you think defense will kind of play a part? Do you think that it'll largely be, you know, bumping into other robots? Or do you think there'll be more advanced techniques involved? Uh, I know programming, you know, it's a little bit difficult to answer that question, but maybe on the mechanical side, what do you think?
1: Um yeah they've implemented a lot of rules uh i think uh defense has a lot of potential of course right now it's not supposed to be a main a stake of the game and pretty much everyone envisions themselves as a scoring robot that that then goes to complete the end game but if it, it is possible for first to introduce kind of like a role on the team for a defense bot especially since we've seen last year that we've played with two defense bots and one scoring bot um then basically a whole new level or kind of gameplay is introduced and on the mechanical side for defense I feel like um I don't think there's going to be a lot of bumping simply because of one how are you going to moderate that how are you going to say this is too much bumping or too little bumping to count as bumping and two, when it comes to like the rules that we've seen in the past years, it's always been, this is the area you cannot cross. You cannot enter it or when someone's doing something, you cannot interrupt them. I feel like those are really good rules to have, especially since if a bot is in the middle of shooting and then you're just going to go ram into them, not only are you going to cause destruction to your own bot, you're also going to destroy their bot and then you're also going to completely ruin the flow of the game and cause a big mess for the refs. Right, yeah, that,
0: that's, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that if, if you take a look probably through the years, you can probably find, you know, progression of how defense has changed. Um, personally, I'm not entirely sure because I just haven't had that experience, but I completely agree with you. There needs to be a way, a way to a moderate defense while also keeping it, you know, a, a significant part of the game. Uh, any comments on that, here
2: uh- Yeah, so uh, I definitely agree with that. But I do feel like, especially last year, I haven't watched much games of previous years. But like teams were really careful about like even with defense like not ramming into the robots as well, and I feel like that that's really nice. Like even though there weren't very explicit rules against like necessarily bumping people, especially when they're in the middle of shooting like midfield, but people were still cautious about that and making sure that like they were still graciously professional while playing.
0: Right. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, it, you know I play football as you guys know and you know, if something like football, hitting is the norm. And obviously in something like robotics, it really isn't. So I think finding a, a really good balance is something I look forward to seeing in the future. Uh, unfortunately, this is my last year in robotics. But uh, in college, I hope to really, you know, take a look at, you know, the competition in the future, things like that. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast, um, I guess one of the final questions I have to ask you guys is... Uh, what, what are you guys excited to look forward to uh, for this year's competitions? I know that there's several of them, but our team is specifically competing in, um, I believe it was the game design challenge and the innovation challenge, I want to say. Uh, sorry, I, I haven't, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, what are you guys excited about in those two challenges and how have you guys kind of uh, found a, a role in those?
1: Uh, I know for a fact, Mahir's in innovation and I'm in game design. But uh, for game design, I feel like I'm really looking forward to the different ideas for scoring that we've come up with. The possibilities are pretty much endless at this point, since uh, the only limitation being that you have to implement some form of a chain. But because we're all online, because it's so much easier to contact and organize instead of having a certain set time and date, you're allowed to constantly message someone or set up a random meeting in case you want to smooth something over the essentially workflow has been smoothed out and working is now much easier as well as collaborating on off hours.
0: Um, I guess I'm here, if you want to talk about... Um, one second. Wait, know you, you were talking about game, yeah, game, the game design. So you want to just kind of restart a little bit?
1: Uh, yeah, so about game design, I feel like there are a lot of possibilities for the scoring elements that we can use especially with the flexibility in the end game and the beginning. While we all have the ability to basically choose what element we're going to focus on, the key aspect will eventually be chains. And that's what I feel is going to be the most interesting, especially looking at what other teams propose, being that there are only so many people in Saints Robotics and only a few people are working on game design. There aren't that many ideas for chains as of now. But the creativity that everyone brings to the table is something I definitely look forward to. All
0: right, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Mahir, if you want to talk about innovation award, I know that's something you've been working on. Or sorry, innovation um, challenge. challenge. My bad.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so well, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is actually implementing this into our community. Uh, uh, right now, we're still trying to get a baseline of like what our problem is and like what our solutions going to look like. But right now, uh, I really, really think that what we're doing is really great because we were able to send out a survey to our like high school to get like to see like what sort of things would they be interested in, what issues are they facing. And I feel like that's really cool that I'm looking forward to talk with some experts as well, getting their opinion on how we can actually implement some of the feedback that we get from our high school into a working innovation challenge that really has a really big impact.
0: Wow, that's really, that's really, yeah, that's awesome. I actually filled out that survey and I really like the questions you guys asked on it. Um, I hope that a lot of people get back to you guys and and talk about that. but. right. You know, it's been a really great episode. You know, getting talking to talk with you guys about the mini bot and really just a variety of topics. And so, um, you know, just kind of as we close out, I just want to let you know any of our listeners know if you guys are interested in being on the podcast, feel free to email us at uh, roboticsdemo podcast at seats It is quite the long email. Uh, I have talked to people getting it shortened down. We'll get it shortened down eventually to podcast at seatsrobotics.com. dot um, But for right now it's robotic assemble podcast but um yeah thank you guys again for uh being on the show I and mean, this is the first time we've actually recorded on a weekday uh so i hope i didn't take up too much of you guys' time um and you know good luck for you guys this season i am really excited to see what programming mechanical teams you guys do i know that in years past it's just really been a, a great match between the two and the way we've worked together has kind of just brought together our team as a whole so really looking forward to it seeing that this year as well as next year so yeah uh hope you guys have a great day and i'll see you guys on our next meeting sounds good
2: thank you you thank you for having us on the podcast
1: thank you